Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hello and welcome to We Knows Parenting. I'm Peter McNerney and live from Portland, Oregon, my wife, Beth Newell. Say hi, Beth. Hello. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Our lives are busy and you know what? We tried to record before Beth left, but a lot happened and it made it impossible. Um, and here we are uh, using technology to connect across the nation I haven't seen you in four or five days. How are you doing? I'm good. I have, I don't know, a possible throat infection or something. But, you know, other than that, I'm away from my children, enjoying life. So that's good. Boy, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll you'll know that Beth hates her children. Uh, <laughs> and her favorite, th- favorite thing is to be away from them. But I will say, I when, if I'm think... sick, if I'm sick, I want to be away from my kids, too. <laughs> I think... Any parent listening to this podcast can appreciate the value of being away from their children. It's not um, anyone who says otherwise is lying, and I don't believe a word they're saying. (laughs) Well, I will say, so, oh, my gosh, so much has happened. Um, Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Right after our last recording session, we literally jumped in the car and we drove to vacation. And uh, we had a great long Labor Day weekend with some friends at an Airbnb, a house with a pool. We had uh, the best possible vacation with children. Our kids were good. They're great. Yeah. They were free. It was a house with like very few things that like could easily murder children. Not like big staircases. There was toys in the house. There was a pool. The pool was everything. We lived in that pool (laughs) for four days. Brynn anyway, is a so legitimately then, good swimmer. <laughs> so then our kids got this fever uh, one of the days we were there, which ended up being surprisingly easy. They were just really sluggish, and it was like, oh, this is actually a good sickness. They're just, like, cuddling. It's not bad. Yeah, they, they had a fever for the morning and then had a long nap and didn't complain, didn't feel bad, just watched TV and cuddled. And it was like, and then they were fine. It seemed like a total recovery. And then, and then, two days later, we're home from vacation. We you go to pick the kids up from daycare. They have spots on their hands. And their mouths. And their mouths. And their, and their feet. And their, and their butts. butts. <laughs> and uh, they have what's known in the biz as hand, foot, and mouth, and should be butt as well, disease. Or sometimes um, referred to as cocksacky. Both names are ridiculous. We've <laughs> talked about Coxsackie on this podcast before, probably the first few episodes, but they legitimately got it. Now, hand, foot, and mouth disease, in our experience, not a big deal. Like they didn't well, feel Well, we sick. got a really 
really mild case of it, which I don't, I don't think is necessarily typical, but people, I had heard horror stories. So I was very scared of this coming. And then our kids weren't really itchy. They didn't seem to have sore throats. They didn't, um, they seemed okay. Just a little spotty. By the time the spots show up, like everything was gone. I, I, I definitely got the same thing, but as an adult, it equal, it just meant just like a real crummy feeling afternoon and morning of just feeling tired, but like no I didn't, congestion, I didn't no see nausea, you no sick headache. at all. Well, that's because you left the state and you left me alone with my children. But I don't and think you would have gotten I, it that, you wouldn't have gotten it that much later than them. Don't question me. I felt terrible that you I didn't complain about it. Think, you always think you have what our kids have no matter what. You just you suddenly feel a tickle and you want in on the action. It wasn't a tickle. It was that I don't even know if I'm <laughs> sick, but I read up on it. I'm pretty sure I had it too. It was just very mild. Mm, okay. We. I don't know if you... So everyone <laughs> at daycare got it. Um, and the woman who runs daycare, I think, had a mental breakdown trying to decontaminate daycare this is a super common thing like hand foot and mouth disease is super infectious and uh and so she was uh understandably freaked out about it and she like sent everyone home and had a full day of uh uh, disinfecting the whole place Uh, yeah i'm actually i'm a little surprised how freaked out she was because it's um i understand she was scared that the babies would get it but it had already kind of run its course, I think, in infecting all these kids, and there wasn't a lot left to do. And I would imagine most daycares have seen this a bunch of times. I don't yeah. know. Well, uh, we're taking our one example of experiencing this and assuming that that's how it always goes. Well, sick, yeah, I think really people do get it fine. way worse, and it's really bad. So, anyway, the fun thing about this is that Bryn's spots coincided with the day before what was supposed to be the first day of preschool, and we uh, got uh, the doctor to say that he could go to school. Um, this is after he stayed home one day to check this out, and daycare did not agree. <laughs> Well, so I was texting with daycare, and I was like, I have a doctor's note, but we've had a history of bringing our kids to daycare and them sending them back because they've thrown up or whatever. So I I texted, and I was like, so we have a doctor's note. They're going to send Brenda pre-K. Uh, are you cool with us bringing them to daycare? It's fine if not. And woman sent me like 12 texts of like it's mean like i'd rather not the baby's like really apologetic and i could clearly tell she was very stressed about the whole thing so uh you went out of town and um i stayed home with bryn for three days but before you went second day we took him and this is the bigger story bryn started pre-kindergarten beth this is the big day this was an emotional day (laughs) tell us so tell, tell us about it from your point of view Um, I think it was, I was just nervous about the mechanics of how we were going to like get him in the room and leave. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. He was pretty good. He like, didn't, he didn't want to go. He kept saying he wasn't going to go. He's like, I don't go to preschool. Uh, I just go to regular school. And then he, what? He ended up being pretty brave when we got him there. And as we were leaving, he was like puffing his lower lip out in the saddest way, but not really crying. Um, so I felt pretty good I about asked that. Him later, I asked him later, I was like, did you cry when we left? And he goes, hmm, just a little bit. That's his, <laughs> that's his, catch that's his new catchphrase. Right I'm like, oh, it was pretty funny. He goes, yeah, just a little bit. And then he scorches <laughs> up his face and he and he puts his fingers up to show a little bit. He goes, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there were kids freaking. This was day two for everyone else. It was his first day. And he shows up as the, the kid with sores on his mouth and hands. <laughs> he's not contagious, but I'm like, oh, gosh, he's going to make friends. But Brynn was not afraid of the kid, the other kids. No. Uh, he got a little scared about their other kids freaking out. And he seemed fine with it. So... We I left. do think 
I think the hand, foot, and mouth was a little bit of a blessing in disguise because I think if he had showed up in the first day surrounded by even more crying children, he probably would have been more freaked out. So it's yeah. kind of nice that he got to go in there a day late. So we we left um, and that first day because we were all there, but this was before you went to Portland. And mm-hmm. you got a little teary. And Maven got a little sad. She could feel that there was something going on. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think Maven is uh, an empath, and I think she is just picking up on... There's a lot of sad kids there. We're like, why is this happening? And I think also Again, Maven had just never, would... never seen us leave Bryn somewhere. With strangers in a strange place? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, again, I wouldn't call that empath. I'd just call that noticing behavior and circumstance and context. Well, I know you but wouldn't, but I, I would, and that's I, why I did. I um, so uh, we picked him I, up, and he uh, he was so... Well, I picked him up with Maven, and um, he was very excited to get out of the classroom, and they have a sign-out process, so he kept trying to like cut in line and le- like flee to the point where the teacher just gave up stopping him and just let him walk out to me. Um, and then... Signed him out. He was, like, pretty happy. Didn't really want to talk about school. Just wanted to, like, go on the playground. And then later I was asking him about it. And I was like, I was like, so did you like school? Did you make some friends? And he was like, he he was like referring, he thinks daycare is school. So he was like, that's not my real friends. My real school has my real friends. So apparently pre preschool does not qualify as real school. It's just preschool. It's preschool. You know what? That logically does make sense. It is preschool, even though, well, it's po- it's post school for him, yeah. I suppose. So well, you someone, left town. Sorry, go ahead. The doctor the other day was trying to ask him what grade he was in, and she he like just had no idea what she was talking about. He was like. Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, we have because we oh, we decided to call daycare school, and I think that has confused him. It would be a bigger deal for saying you're finally going to school because he knows what school is from TV shows and stuff, but he thinks he's already been to school. Um, so it's all to go. I tried to explain, and I made it overly complicated. Where I was like, four year olds like you go to pre kindergarten. Five-year-olds go to kindergarten. Six-year-olds go to first grade. And then I was like, oh, the numbers are getting complex. Seven, second, eight, third. Last week when you were out one night, he, like, refused to go to bed. So I let him – He, you know how he he has to watch grown-up TV when he's trying to convince me to let him stay up, which means, like, not his his usual stuff. That's his compromise. He, like, knows it's, like, somewhat more appealing to me. So I put on the movie Grease for some reason – um, and he was watching it, like really trying to wrap his head around what was happening. Um, and the two things he picked up on was that they were kissing very funny and a prolonged passionate kiss. And the second thing was, he was like, they're at school. Um, and then he saw like kids bullying each other and like popping a, a basketball and stuff. And he was, I don't know if I gave him a, uh, an unfair impression of what school would be like. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be like Grease, Bryn. That's an unrealistic <laughs> expectation. No. <laughs> They're, not all the kids are going to be 40 years old. Uh. <laughs> uh, so you left town the next morning, and um, I had a long weekend with the kids. And Bryn stayed home. I took Maven back to daycare. I kept, because she had fewer disgusting spots all over her face. I kept Bryn home. And it was great because I had a whole morning with him, and luckily I didn't have to go in the city. And then I took him to his sec uh, his second day of pre K, and we stood in line. My favorite, we were there first, and he's got his name tag on, and he loves it. It's purple. And these uh, two girls show up, and they seem like they're on the older end of four. They're bigger than him, and their parents are like these young sort of a, attractive like Russian women uh, who, are all, who are sort of like somewhat fashionable and uh, their daughters are appropriately matched to them. They've got like their cute sort of uh, outfits 
and they're bigger than him and they walk up and Bryn just walks up straight to them and he goes, hi, my name is Bryn and he holds up his name tag and he <laughs> goes, B-R-Y-N and then he starts explaining to them uh, how the, the lanyard works and he goes, there's, and he takes the purple piece of paper out and he goes, you can open this and pull it out and these two girls like were looking at him like such stereotypical <laughs> like, oh my God, like who's this weirdo? And, like, I saw them, like, sort of side-eye each other. They looked at each other, and they didn't say a single word to Bryn during this whole conversation (laughs) as he mansplained lanyards to these girls. (laughs) And then he just uh, got done, and he turned back to me, and he goes, I told them how this works. (laughs) (laughs) And he's very confident. And he talked to all the kids, and he was, it's like, he knew what's up. It's very me, where he learned a thing, and now he needs to explain it to everybody else. (laughs) it's kind of exciting to survey this like new group of kids and try to figure out who he's going to end up friends with because there was like a very bubbly like somewhat chubby kid uh who was like seemed very like talkative and i was like oh i could see them meeting up on the playground (laughs) yeah uh the, the, uh, the funniest thing actually happened as i left He's, they stand in line outside until they go in together. And so you say goodbye while he's in line. And then I left, but I like hid behind a car to watch him until he went in. Because this was my, I didn't cry or anything that first day because I was making fun of you. But alone, I let watched him <laughs> go in and I burst into tears all by myself. And it suddenly hit <laughs> me at daylight. But as he was standing in line, there was a kid standing behind him and clearly a teacher had been like, you need to stand behind the person in front of you. So this kid took this note very literally and he had to stand right behind Bryn. So Bryn would like turn around to see who was behind him and this kid, you could see him panic, be like, oh no, I need to be behind this other boy. So he would shuffle to stay behind Bryn and Bryn then couldn't see him because he moved and then Bryn would look the other way and then the kid would run around like like a so Bryn looked like a dog trying to chase his tail he like and he's like what the hell is this kid doing behind me but it was stressing the the boy behind him was so stressed out because he was trying to follow the rules and Bryn was making it impossible by spinning in a circle and I was yeah, like oh I, no he's, he's I would have been that kid I think <laughs> Uh, but it was wildly <laughs> successful, and um, uh, they were they were sick. We were fine, and uh, pre-K happened. Uh, the the, uh, oh, the last thing I want to say, the funniest thing happened the other morning. So I was I was sleeping in. It was the weekend, and a lot of times we wake up to Bryn, and I woke up yesterday morning. Uh, with Bryn standing, looking right into my face, like inches away. And it like sort of startled me. And the first thing he said with like a sweet face, he's like, Daddy, someone wants milk. And then he pointed to his face and he goes, it's me. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for Did You Knows? This is where we share a parenting fact that we've learned in the past week. So I uh, read an article recently in the New York Times, and uh, I'm going to summarize it. It's a very simple concept, but um, we've talked about this indirectly and, and, and more directly uh, over the past few weeks. But the gist of it was basically like if you want your kids to learn and to take responsibility, both punishment and reward uh, are not necessarily good things. You know, if you you overdo it on either one of these things, uh, you're denying your kid the natural sort of lesson of um, being self-motivated and learning to do things because you're supposed to do things uh, as opposed to some sort of external reason. Like if you threaten your kids, like the you better do this or this is going to happen, um, uh, or you say like okay, just pick up and you get a cookie. The more you do that, the more you become reliant on those tactics, and it's not creating a child who inherently will think to take responsibility for things and to do their their chores because there's always this external. Uh, motivator. So the argument of it is um, to, as much as you can, get used to the, all right, it's time to clean up because it's time to clean up. And there's no punishment or there's no reward. It's just a stick to itiveness uh, where this is what we do. And you have to be stern about it to get started and make them do it. But uh, just try to put your emotions aside. And it's more about persistence than it is about emotions or threats or rewards. Beth, what do you think about that, and how do you think we're doing in that regard? Because I definitely <laughs> have used the threat of punishment and the uh, uh, and the uh, idea of rewards plenty. Um, but what do you think? Um, so I, the in terms of the flat out sternness, you're definitely better than me because I get too exhausted and don't have the energy. Um, you are more inclined to propose punishment, which, in my opinion, has almost no effect on Bryn and only incenses him. Yeah. Um, and then I am more inclined to do reward, which is very useful in getting our kids out the door in the morning when they want to cling to me and cry. Mm -hmm. uh, I will hand them a fistful of cereal and be like, oh, chew on this while you walk outside. But... Um, I don't, I, I fully believe that that's not a good habit to have. And then at the same time, I think sometimes you just have to distract your kids so you can get through the day. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely that thing where the less you use it, the more powerful it is. You know, so it's that like, I try every, as much as I can to not say, if you do this, I'll give you a thing. Um, and the and instead, just keep calm and say we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. Uh, like with Bryn, yeah, the best tactic is when he says no, is to just sort of take a step back, change the subject, uh, get distracted, and be like, "Hey, did you draw this? What is this? What is, over this?" And then there's a beat, and then you come back to it. It's like, "All right, shoes on. Here we go." Um, and it's deflecting. It's like riding the wave of. Uh, the energy of your kid is to me the, I've, has been the most successful for me 
Because I can sense like, oh, he's yeah, resisting, sure. he's resisting, but his heart's not in it. Then don't push because he's going to suddenly have a harder stance than he really meant to. Yeah, he's like, oh, we're having an argument. Great, game on. Um, yeah. yeah, I do think when with both of them, it's like if you are just trying to do something simple, like put shoes on. It's like if you can think to start a conversation about school or like whatever you're saying while it's happening so that they're not even thinking about the shoes while they're being put on. It's like so much easier. Yeah. I think it's really, um, useful tool. It's cause he's usually saying no because he's, he's always like where he is right now. He's present. He's in his bed. And the idea is like, put your shoes on. We're leaving. He's like, I don't want to do a new thing. I'm here. And I'm the same way. Like, it's, it takes a lot of energy for me to go, all right, it's time to go. And as soon as I'm in my new place, I'm so excited to be there. But with Bryn, um, I've also found that you have to activate the new place in his mind in a way that's not like, we have to go to this place. If it is just like, oh, hey, what uh, today's Wednesday. What do the Wednesday toys look like at school? Because they have days of the week things. I did this to him once, and I was like, are the Wednesday toys the square toys? And then he's like, oh, no, no, they're this. And he starts talking about it. And now mentally he's in that place. And so when I start putting his shoes on, it's he's no longer in the mode of <clears throat> I'm trying to get him to leave here. He's already in that place. Um, or so it's like activating the imagery. It's like concrete images that I can put into his head. Part of his brain thinks he's already there. And so there's... It's at best a distract. Uh, it's at least a distraction, and at best, he wants to be in that new place. Right, and you you also don't want to unintentionally telegraph that you're expecting a fight because then they'll they'll pick up on that. Like if you're like Bryn shoes, he's already in fighting mode. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's helpful to have two of them because I go, I'm like, all right. Brandon, we gotta get gotta get dressed, and he's like, "No!" And then I just, I don't know, I'll maybe just completely ignore him. I'm like, "All right, we got a few minutes," and then I'll turn to Maven and I'll start putting, her, I'll like get half of her dressed, and then I'll turn to Brandon and be like, "Hey, I got I got your pants. Here you go." Um, and then I go back to Maven, and that back and forth I think has um, helps in that distraction, keeping the his focus off balance. Yeah, the few this morning, morning we, seems. seems- Seems to help. I started doing the counting. Like, there's two, you know, I'm going to count to three. But there's a punishment version of it that I don't think works. And there's a, I'm going to give you this much time, and then this is going to happen. This morning I did this. He wouldn't get dressed. And I go, okay, great. I'm like, well, we have to go. So um, you can take a little time, and then I'm going to come back, and we have to put your your pants on. And then we come back, and he goes, I didn't want to put them on. I'm like, all right, okay, well, I can put them on. I can put them on you, which I know you don't like, or you can put them on. Um, but I'm going to count to five, and uh, when you get to five, I'm going to put them on. And it's not a, like, or you're going to get punished. It's like, well, I'm just going to put your pants on. So I counted to five, and he said no. And I grab him, and I like I will force pants onto him. And the key to it is I'm just like, I, sh- I can't show him any I'm upset. I'm mad at you because then that's like that's potentially a scary thing. But it is that like got to put your pants on, and I keep a light tone as I'm holding my son down essentially and pulling pants onto his legs, and he gets over it quicker. And then did uh, after I got pants on, and he I left the room, and he screamed, and then he found a toy and forgot about it. I don't think I've ever uh, muscled clothes onto him and had him calm down <laughs> about it. I mean, I think but, this is something I'm able to do because um, <laughs> I'm a monster and I'm so very strong. Yeah. Um, well, Beth, my dear, um, this is going to be a special episode. I'm going to have a special guest because you're uh, you're off across the country. But it's been such a delight to talk to you. Is there anything you want to tell the fine <laughs> listeners before you hop on a plane and come home to me? No. Um, I just I will say Portland is a beautiful city with great food and um, I think they've invited me here at the most beautiful time of the year to try to trick me into thinking that this is what it's always like. <laughs> Brought to you by Oregon Travel Bureau. Oregon, it's pretty nice. That's my tagline. That's free, <laughs> Oregon. All right, baby, fly home to me. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>
Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of times you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now it's time for a brand new segment which I've decided to call We Gets to Knows. This is where we have, for the first time ever on the show, uh, a very special guest. Today with me here is uh, a longtime friend, a hilarious comedian, went to school with this man. It's John Dixon. John, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) The way I've set up the microphones, we cannot see each other's eyes, um, which is not typical, but we'll make do. Uh, John uh, is here, and uh, John has gone through, uh, he's in the middle of a process right now, which um, he started to tell me about, uh, which is fascinating, and I know nothing about. So I said, don't don't tell me anything about this. Uh, let's do it while recording. And that is the process of adoption. John, you're in the middle of this. Tell, yes. me, tell me this story. Where does this start? Okay. Um, well, it starts... When you try to get pregnant, well, sometimes it starts when you try to get pregnant and and you're not successful. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure it can start with the decision to just adopt, um, especially if you're in a sure, yeah. Well, a, you don't need to speak for all uh, adoptors. In my case, yeah. it starts with uh, trying to get pregnant, and then you learn the first lesson, which is not all bodies can get pregnant yeah men's for one um this was a big i know when 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 beth and i first when she first got pregnant this was a a really dumb lesson i learned which is i'm like oh we're having a baby i should tell my friends with with wives to have babies and i'm like joking I'm like when are you gonna have one and uh a lot of them had trouble and i learned that quickly and i'm like that's so stupid don't don't do that uh, so I, I assume that was a difficult process. It was very difficult. Yeah. Um, I do want to chime in and just add that I'm also a full-time elementary school teacher, mm-hmm. which will will come in handy in this conversation because yeah. it has been one of the best parts about this whole experience is being able to educate the young children that I teach. Uh-huh. And that, that was one of their biggest qu- 
questions and little adorable naivetes when I told them about this whole process. They were uh-huh. like, well, why didn't you just get your wife pregnant? <laughs> Did they like, say it that way? <laughs> no. Mr. John, why don't you just get your wife pregnant? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Are you a real man? <laughs> Do you need us to explain it to you? These, these kids are brutal. Um <laughs> In their in their own words, they they basically like very very mm-hmm. sincerely curiously asked that like, well, can't you just have yeah. it? just have a kid? Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. Um, so being able to explain that and have them learn that that is a truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was very 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 difficult. It has been very difficult. Uh, we were trying for a few years, and then we started going through the next stages of scientific discovery, where you go to different doctors and find yeah. out ways that they can help you um and none of them are 100 percent. yeah which i also did not know yeah um, so it's very expensive to do scientific enhancements to help your biology um yeah. and it's not 100 percent guarantee yeah so we and it's also very invasive to the woman's yeah, body i was going to ask and yeah. i'm sure some of those are not either uh convenient comfortable or safe that's correct hmm. um so we decided together that adoption was the way for us um so was then, that um um what i mean once you got to the point I, where it was accepting or realizing that that you weren't going to be able to have a baby on your own was that idea of like oh let's adopt was that difficult was there a struggle um within you as to like is that something i actually want to do Yes, that was mm-hmm. difficult. Um, and, yeah, it's been a couple of years total. Um, I've always wanted to be a dad. Yeah. Um, and so even before we got married, we were we were trying. We weren't planning to get married necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it, it was definitely difficult, but it I've passed that part. I'm in the yeah. pure joy and excitement. Um I wouldn't say it was difficult to accept not being a biological father because I really am aware of how different ways you can make a family. Uh Um, And I also identified that really what I wanted was to be a caretaker. So it it wasn't the the need for the biological Yeah, because you obviously have spent years doing just that as a teacher. Yes. Have you, I imagine in that process, you've also uh, been exposed to uh, atypical family structures? Yes. Was that, how did that help? It helps very much. Um, It has ingrained a consciousness, conscientiousness. I'm I'm very aware of how I talk about families um, more more openly and less close-mindedly and how you, how you. Yeah, the word choice to use. Yeah, Bryn started pre-K this week, and one of the things they asked for is a photo of his whole family because uh-huh. they have the family tree on their wall. And I I would assume that it is to show kids that families are different. Yes. And I don't, rem- I don't ever remember having that growing up and seeing that. Did you ever have experience like that when you were younger? Nope. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so as I've been going through this process and I've been trying to think about adoption, it yeah, it made me realize that I have no idea if any of my childhood friends were adopted. It just wasn't talked about. Hmm. We didn't talk about family differences. You you knew that there were a couple of divorced families and single moms, but yeah. Um yeah, and the, the kind of language that I use now as a teacher where you say a parent. Yeah, because you can't assume that people have two parents. Um, yeah. Or which, which gender or which term they prefer. Sure. Yeah. So you decide you want to adopt. Yes. What is that? What is that first? Where do you begin? I have okay. no idea. Yeah. First, you follow the advice that I was given, which I followed, and I'm glad I did. So my advice in the advice circle now goes to. Uh, ask everyone you know who might have been involved in adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that. I had three friends who I knew adopted, 
and I asked all of them for advice and they all said the same thing. You should do some research and go online and search for adoption in New York City. Mm-hmm. Look at foster care, look at open adoption, closed adoption, and really educate yourself so that you're making the best, I don't know, the choice that, that feels best for you. What is, the, what is open adoption and closed adoption? That means uh, the child knows everything about their ah, situation, Okay, which is what we're doing. Yeah. So the the research... I mean, come on, research is subjective. Am I right, people? But, <laughs> but the research that we're, that we're listening to is, um, it is, and I agree with, I believe it, I agree with it, it it's healthier for a child to, to know their whole story so they mm-hmm. don't grow up with questions and mysteries and yeah. feeling lied to or that something was kept a secret. I feel like and little kids, and you probably know much more about this, but I, I feel like if you know about it earlier, it's normal. Yes. And it's not this, uh, uh, I have found that with less important things, uh, although not unimportant talking with Bryn already about like sex and death where these questions come up and I'm like, I'm going to answer these questions because those are things that seem scarier when they feel like they've been a secret. Yes. And they become, uh, people seek out answers in, perhaps unhealthy ways mm-hmm. if, if it has been kept from them. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're doing an open adoption. Um, there are open adoption agencies that sort of serve as, I would say, like the middle person. So mm-hmm. they interact with the birth mother and they interact with the adoptive parents so that those people don't have to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when a birth mother decides they want to go with adoption, they contact the agency and the agency has social workers and counselors who make sure this is definitely Mm -hmm. what they want and that they're not being pressured by outside um, forces. And then they match up a birth mother with the birth parents. And then throughout the entire process and from day one of the child's birth, you're encouraged to tell them your story. You, you know, you were born, this is your birth mother. um, And she gave us a great gift by, letting us take care of you. Yeah. And so just and closed adoption, I guess that's probably the adoption that a lot of people have in their heads, which is the giving up this baby. And there is that, like you're giving up knowledge of them. And that's that where the child, when they turn 18 has the ability to like find out about them in some cases, or is that, that's typical. Yes. Um, so closed adoption makes a better movie because then you go on your search yeah. To find your story. Um, but is there, boy, I mean, I've actually never really articulated the, the difference to myself like that. And without fully unpacking it, it seems, uh, it seems, uh, well, I was going to be judgmental. It seems like a little crazy that you would say, I don't want to know. I want to put it totally out of my hands, but I, I'm sure there are instances where, Maybe that's for the best. Yeah. Um, and even through an open adoption with an agency, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So the agency, our social worker has told us that there are times when the birth mother says, I don't want to be in this child's life at all. I just, yeah. I, w- I want, I trust you to match them with good parents and then please don't, d- don't involve me. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, for usually some type of trauma that Is I guess. Is the opposite a concern where um, they as they have regrets and want to be more involved than was agreed upon or, or something? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that is those are the types of fears. Yeah. Those are the things that are scary. Hmm. So you found a place. What what was the process of of starting? Uh, once, once you decided, oh, this is the place. Yeah, well, I, I will just quickly say that mm-hmm. we did take the advice. We yeah. um, did w- webinars and we visited several adoption agencies, and it was such good advice because the first few felt terrible. We, yeah. Um, and and if we had thought, well, we just need to do this and gone with one of the first ones, it would have not been a, a pleasant experience. Hmm. Um, we drove out to you know, the small towns in New Jersey where they had these little white offices and mm-hmm. 
they write the agenda on the whiteboard. Today we're going to talk about, uh, first we're going to do a budget, then we're going to do paperwork, then we're going to talk about uh, timing, process, and uh, how to prepare your baby room. Mm -hmm. It's like this, like, very uh, just stale agenda. Phoning it in. Yeah, it just didn't feel good. Yeah. You don't want to feel like it's a, a product, like a business Meeting. And you never want to adopt from someone with a New Jersey accent. Exactly. Because we all hate New Jersey. Yeah. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. But that was a perfect New Jersey accent. <laughs> it was flawless. Um, anyway, so we so then we found the one that just felt really good. It had uh, a warm, just, uh, well, it was a two-day orientation, which was different from the others. Wow. So first it's like getting to know you and you meet everyone on staff every single person mm-hmm. um, and it's a, just a warm room and this is just a going to check it out is a yeah. two-day process yep wow um and even even that felt good because mm-hmm. because they they were admitting this is super intense and highly emotional yeah and you better be willing to commit two days um if you're if if you're sure this yeah. is what you want to do it's, it's something you should definitely at least sleep on yeah Yep. One night. Yeah. Um, so then after that two-day orientation, I think many people continue to sleep on it for, for more nights. You know, they're just like, all right, well, let us know. Here's our contact information. We hope you had a good time. So mm-hmm. nice to meet you. We heard half a dozen different stories, some of them bad, some of them good, which is very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, it, it just felt so right. So we actually signed as we were leaving, like the end of the two-day orientation, well. we signed on. And then the really tedious part of just endless paperwork. Yeah. Uh, every single bank account you've ever had, every address you've each ever lived at, um, all your family members, their ages, their birthday, like it's really yeah. invasive. And um, It was like trying to get a mortgage in 2008, am I right? Oh! <laughs> Financial crisis. Not too soon, actually. No, not too soon. Yeah. We can totally joke about that. Um, and then then there's this other kind of interesting part, which sounded fun. Uh, it sounded fun, but it, it ended up being a little a little hard. Um, mm-hmm. So you make a profile. It's, there's, with an open adoption, there's a online dating feel to it where the birth parent oh, wow. br- browses profiles and says, hmm, oh. Oh, so these women are choosing yes. the parents. Yes. That's so interesting. Never yeah. would have occurred to me. Yep. Um, so, so, so they were like, "Okay, so your paperwork is finally done. Thank you for turning in page number one hundred and sixty-three. Mm-hmm. Now the fun part. So you make a profile, yeah. Um, which yeah sounds great. Um, however, they had all these restrictions. It was super nuanced, and so yeah. you, you actually have to have like, you know, more than. 18 photos but less than 31 uh, and you can have two or three that are wearing sunglasses but no more than that you can have one or two that is a selfie but not more than so you have to have yeah. like a mix of all, all these yeses and nos yeah so that kind of got more tedious than it would have been if it was just like just make a profile that shows you being you. Yeah. Um and then you overthink it and then yeah. and then you're like, "Ah, oh, we can't overthink it. We just need to do it." Yeah. Um anyway, so the whole thing from signing on after the orientation till going live was about 5 months. Wow. Um and, and how long ago was that cuz that's where you is that where you are right now? Yes. So we are a live waiting family. Hmm. Um, we have a profile on the website and it's just, you just wait and it's, you know, it's all these factors that you just can't control. Like yeah. there could be a month where no pregnant mothers go with this. I mean, you know, think about all the different options. Yeah. So there's, you could decide to parent or have someone in your you know, even if you decide you can't parent, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's someone else in your immediate family yeah. who makes sense to uh, abortion. There's um, foster care. There's several different agencies, domestic. You know, yeah. there's just so many different routes you can take that you're 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 just waiting for 
the the mother to mm-hmm. so this find is, out. So she has to find out about the agency. Then she yeah. has to choose you out of their profile. So I assume this could be a woman who is just found out she's pregnant. Yes, and and but she wants to carry the baby to term, and so yep. you find that out, and then you know that you will theoretically have a baby in seven months or it's somebody who just gave birth and it, it realizes they can't handle it. Correct. So you could get a, find out and have a baby tomorrow or in half a year. That's exactly right. And is this all from in, in the country? Yes. Uh, wow. That's a, that's an intense waiting game. How long is, how long have you been waiting now? Did you say that? Um, July we went active. Do they give you, do they say that there's a typical length? I mean, I suppose. They say between two and 12 months. Hmm. Wow. So through, through this, since July, how have, have your feelings, uh, changed or ebbed or flows? What are those fears or excite, excitements and have they evolved since then? Um, that's a good question. I haven't actually thought about that. It, was pure excitement. I mean, it was, you know, it was tedious and, and annoying doing all the working and waiting Mm -hmm. pure excitement. Once they sent us the congratulations, you're alive email. Mm -hmm. Um, even though that's a weird thing to, it's a weird part of the world, but it it is. is. So we got our congratulations. Your profile is available for pregnant mothers to choose you to raise their children, um, email. And then the super exciting, and the agency is great because they keep in touch um, with the, they have a social worker assigned to you who yeah. keeps in touch and feels your pulse. And her advice was just live your life just yeah. um, because we live in an era where you can get everything really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Target is open pretty late. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're having a baby tomorrow. It's all right. Target is open <laughs> yeah. until at least 11. Yep. Um, so she said, just live your life, you know, maybe get traveler's insurance yeah. on the off chance. Um, and then now because we could get a phone call from, you know, maybe someone from the agency from an, an, an unknown number. Yeah. So those, those are like the two kind of weird nuanced things, traveler's yeah. insurance and start answering your phone from unknown calls. So you're getting, you're having to talk to a lot of spam phone oh calls. Oh my God, it's so annoying. I never pick up my phone. Hot take. <laughs> never pick up my phone. It's 2018. Uh, well, John, that is so interesting. Thank you so much. And I, I'm so excited for you because- I know adoption is not for everyone and I, I I don't know how I would react to it. And it's a really interesting question. I know people have mixed feelings about it, but I honestly believe like there's no one I know that is better suited for this thing. And I wish you all the best. And I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Should we take some callers? Yeah. Um, we'll just wait here how, how until do you feel somebody about, calls my phone. How do you all feel about adoption? Actually? Yes. Obviously we can't take a call right now, but uh, we'd love to hear from you, uh, pe- people who have adopted um, um, or are involved in, in adoption in any sort of way. Um, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll have to read some of those in the weeks ahead. John, shall we take a break? Sure. All right, before we go, we're going to play a quick round of Would You Knows? This is where uh, one of us uh, uh, puts uh, posits a hypothetical parenting situation and the other unpacks it. And I'm still here with my very special guest, John Dixon, who is going to give me a would-you-know scenario. John, what is the scenario? I'm ready. Okay. The scenario is you think your childs are in their room playing. You're so happy you hear them. <laughs> um, and then you go in. And you're like, hey, what you doing? You go in. And they're like, oh, just playing cars. And they have uh, extended the racetrack using markers and crayons so that it goes all the way around the floor the walls it's just this you know crazy imaginative never-ending racetrack that has been drawn all over the floors and walls okay great what kind of uh writing utensils do they have um everything so there's there's sharpies yeah there's permanent yeah they've ruined things yeah 
is the artwork shockingly impressive? Like it looks like train tracks all around the room. Like how artistic is it? It's not very artistic. It is very, very, very thorough and elaborate. And it looks like it's gone through various um, revisions where there's tracks on tracks on tracks. Um, And has this happened in a surprisingly short amount of time? Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like, they were playing for an hour and they were like, oh, let's have them go here. Actually, let's have them go here and here and here and here. And they're as old as they are now? Yeah. Okay. So is it, <laughs> uh, is it, is it cool enough that if I, if you came over and I was like, John, check it out. My kids did, my kids made this artwork and I'm leaving it. What do you think? Would you react by going, what, what the fuck? They just drew all over the room. It's not cool at all. Like, it doesn't look like a genius at work. It okay. looks like someone just didn't realize that you could see everything. Great. I know my reaction. I would be pissed. Uh, uh, this has happened before. Um, I, 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 would, I would struggle between being so mad that we had to clean everything, but also I recognize how funny it is, and my next thought would be I have to Instagram this. This is going to get so many likes. Because uh, I put my whole kid's childhood on display. Um, so I'd actually, I would pause. I would not react. Hopefully, I would close the door. I'd take out my phone, hit record. I, and then I'd pretend I'm seeing it for the first time. And I'd walk in and I would film it. Uh, and then I'd calmly ask Bryn to explain it to me so that he's funny. And then hopefully that, is, that has stopped me from exploding and yelling at my small children. And then we'd have a very serious talk. And uh, I think there might have to be punishment in that scenario if we have to replace things. I'm not a big punishment person, but I think I have to explain that we need to learn from this. And then I'd just post it and I'd watch the likes roll in. Yeah. Did I get it right? You got it right. Yeah. Yeah. We've never kept score in this game before, but. There's a couple of things. You could have got more points. Oh, yeah? Um, what did I miss? There's an opportunity to um, talk about, to to sort of like educate about different materials, what goes where. Um, you could perhaps even, ha- if they, if that seems like they really want to do stuff like that, you could create a room where they can Ooh. with, um, you know, like put your paper on the walls. Or, the rec room. Yeah. I'll just buy an extra room. And stick it onto my my co-op. You also um, missed an opportunity to give constructive feedback and have them really understand that it, there's a difference between good looking drawing and. <laughs> so we get into a conversation of about aesthetics. Yes. With my two year old. Yeah. Maven, this track like there's there's no cement. The, the, each tie is a different distance from the other. You stupid toddler. And you could take them on a um, street art tour of Bushwick and other hip neighborhoods and have them notice the difference between You know what? Damage. That's actually maybe I would have them walk around and tell me, are they, is this good graffiti or is this <laughs> yeah. crappy graffiti? Graffiti. Yeah. Now, related to back, do you think your graffiti in your room is great? Bryn would say it is no matter what. Mm. Well, I think we solved that one. Yep. Thank you very much. This has been Would You Knows? <laughs> That'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, We'll be back, the both of us, next week. Um, But if you want to submit a question or share a story, give some advice, or suggest a would you knows, uh, you can always contact us at weknowspod at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 347-384-7396. You can also find that uh, number on our website, weknowsparenting.com. While you're there, why not pick up some merch? And uh, you find us on the social medias, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, and Wino's Pod. Until next time, I'm home alone. I'm lonely. Listen to this. Ah, Beth, come home. Bye.
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.